I am back. Welcome to another week. Thank you for tuning in to the fourth episode of the Let's Verbal Process podcast. I hope so far you've been enjoying it. It has been really fun for me to make um, and seeing all of the fun little messages that I've been getting, things that people are resonating with, that really means a lot. So continue to share it. Make sure to sign up for notifications for when a new episode drops. New episodes drop every Thursday. So every Thursday, get on Spotify, listen to Let's Verbal Process. And so this week, I kind of wanted to do something a little bit different. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to talk about. And originally I had a certain topic and I recorded a episode, but then I was like, I don't know, I'm not really feeling it. So we're going back to the drawing board. So I had the idea to find random questions and answer them live on the podcast. Well, it's live for me. It's a replay for you because technically it's not like I'm doing this live, but I am alive. I'm very, very alive. And actually speaking about being alive, because when you're alive, you have experiences and hopefully some of those experiences are new things. I would be remiss to say that I hope that some of you all or all of you who are listening tried something new this past week. The last episode was about the importance of trying new things and hopefully you were inspired and motivated to try something new. Maybe it kind of just happened randomly to you and you're like, oh wait, this is me trying something new. Maybe you tried something new and you didn't even realize it until I am gonna give you 10 seconds to think about a moment that maybe happened this week, see if it was something new. So I'll count down in my mind. Okay, I think that was about 10 seconds. Hopefully you're able to think of a moment, maybe reflect on a moment and pat yourself on the back that you did something new because that's really amazing. And again, if you did try something new, let me know. I want to hear about it. I want to celebrate your little wins, your big wins, your your little wins. They're all wins. Okay, so going back, what I decided to do for this week was to look up just some random questions. And I literally, I don't know, what did I write in my browser? I think I just wrote like 365 questions or something. And then I literally just clicked on the first thing that popped up, which is, it was a website, bucketlistjourney.net. <laughs> and the title is 365 deep and thought provoking questions to ask yourself and others. I didn't put too much thought into the website that I would be using. However, this provided a lot of different questions, 365 to be exact. And some of them are actually pretty cool. And so I was like, well, I'm going to pick random numbers. And I wrote down the numbers and then I'm going to read the question that corresponds to that number. So for example, if my number that I chose was one, I would read question one and answer it on the podcast. So I I didn't choose one. I kind of chose various numbers and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say what my answers are, what I think about them. And hopefully these questions will be really thought provoking for you. And maybe you will answer it in your mind. And I think that that's super cool. And I'll also 
provide the website link in the show notes in case you would like to see the full list of the 365 deep and thought-provoking questions to ask yourself and others. (laughs) And so I guess I will just get started. I will say two of the questions, I had actually read them before I had chosen that corresponding number, but I included them because they were really good questions. So in order from the lowest number to the highest, I'm going to begin. So question number 11, I'm scrolling. Okay. Ooh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. Do you think crying is a sign of weakness or strength? I think it is a sign of strength, personally, especially if you are someone who identifies as a cisgender man and maybe has grown up in a society, in a culture where crying is viewed as emasculating, too feminine, which I, that bothers me so much. All of that stuff. I definitely think that it shows strength, Um, but not even just in that kind of space that I'm talking about. I think in general, crying does, to me, really, really demonstrate that you are able to access your emotions and you're able to be introspective and feel the feels and not push how you're feeling aside. I, I think it's really important to not stuff your feelings because if all you do is keep stuffing all of the feelings that you don't want to come to the surface you could become a landmine and one day the littlest thing can just kind of you know make you explode and stuff like that and that's really not healthy i think it's so important to find ways of processing your emotions and figuring out healthy ways to work through them that's why I am a big proponent of therapy and I think therapy is really really important because it not just gets you to talk about your feelings I think it I mean hopefully in a really good therapy session and with a therapist that you are are, that you trust you're able to set practices and create new practices for yourself to help you figure out all of the things that you're feeling and to me that takes strength because I think a lot of times the easy thing is to let's say you're going through a situation it's easy to push those feelings aside want to just focus on something else and just continue to go 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 instead of taking the time to sit and to be alone with your thoughts and to be introspective that takes bravery there's a lot of people who are afraid of what they will discover or what they will re discover within themselves and it's very important to me personally in my journey in my life to take the time to be introspective to figure out how I'm feeling why I'm feeling how can I work through these feelings what can these feelings mean all of this stuff and I think also too it kind of helps maybe justifying feelings or figuring out, wait a second, maybe that was, maybe I took that too personally and why, what about that was triggering? And again, I feel like in therapy, you kind of really go through those things, but therapy or not, I prefer for me personally, I've just always been someone who just thought that when you are able to feel the feels, acknowledge them, 
I think that that shows a lot of bravery, a lot of courage, and a lot of love. I think you're giving yourself a lot of love by doing that, by not telling yourself, oh, I can't feel this way because I might look weak in front of these people or to myself. And here, here's what I will say. For me personally, like, if my feelings are hurt, I definitely am not necessarily someone who wants to cry in front of other people if my feelings are hurt. Like, I will go home in my room and start crying, all of that stuff. Or like, <laughs> if I'm heartbroken, you know, romantically, like, I'm not going to cry in front of, like, I, I wouldn't want to cry in front of the guy. Like, I would go home and do that on my own. Um, and so... I I think that there's, you know, I know that there are some people who kind of just cry in any situation. I, you know, that that's them. I think everyone processes it differently. I think for me, I just try to process it in a safe environment. And yeah, because I don't necessarily always feel comfortable crying in front of other people. Now it is different though if I'm, for example... Let's say I watched something that was really, really moving and I'm with other people. Psh, I don't mind crying. I, I cry all the time in movies. Or maybe I, okay, actually, a little, little story. I went to Rome and I went to St. Peter's Basilica. And I'm even like tearing up just kind of thinking about it. Um, I went into that basilica and it was truly the most beautiful thing I had ever seen, most beautiful experience that I have ever had. And it was so grand. It was so big. I mean, there's just so much space. This, you know, the floor to ceiling height is just astronomical. It's just crazy. And all of the marble, just everything, the art, it's beautiful. And I remember going in there and I started crying because I was like, this is the most beautiful thing I have ever seen. And I remember I said to the person, I had gone with my friends and there was someone in that group in particular that I told this to. And I said, if this is on earth, St. Peter's Basilica is on earth and it's this beautiful, what in the world is heaven going to look like? Heaven must be the most, heaven I know is even more beautiful than this. And this is already making me cry. And so that brought me to tears. And <laughs> the person that I was crying in front of was a little bit like shocked, but like totally welcomed that and went through those emotions with me and I think connected us in a way. And so I I don't think it's a weakness. I think crying can definitely be a strength and it can bond people and yeah so I think I, I think it's really great and I think it's really important especially when you're creating relationships with people just in, in general again when I say relationships I, I don't necessarily mean romantic relationships I think being able to speak about your emotions in a really healthy way is important now I will say on the flip side I do think and because I've had experience with this with other people specifically someone in college where this person always was crying in times where I think taking stock of how you're feeling maybe taking a moment to pause and to say hey let's get back to this at a different time right now I am not able to fully articulate how I'm feeling 
let us put a pin in this. That would have been better, but this person was not able to process and articulate their emotions at that point. And again, everyone's journey is very different, but this did cause stalemates. This did cause pauses, whether that was in roommate situations or in classroom situations and stuff like that. So I do think there are moments where, again, maybe that's why I'm saying I think it's really important to work through your emotions, learn how to articulate them, learn what works for you. And, you know, I think it's also kind of being responsible in that sense of the people that are around you and that you are around because not everyone is able to handle when someone else cries because everyone reacts to people crying differently. So it's a, this is a very interesting question. And this person that I'm thinking about in particular, was that a weakness? I don't necessarily think that that's, I I don't want to say it's like a weakness because I feel like that that sounds like there's a faulty part to them, but I think what it was, it wasn't, it was a hindrance, I think in order to have resolved certain things and this was something that I am speaking about I'm trying to speak about it in a very objective way because it wasn't necessarily something that affected me like sometimes it did affect me but other times it didn't and there were arbiters around and so everyone was just trying to stay as level-headed as you can so yeah that's kind of a different thing a different kind of emotional access need I guess but for the most part yes I definitely think crying is a sign of strength and whoever you are however you identify and I'm saying this however you identify specifically because I think we are raised in this culture it's changing but we have been raised in this culture where it's unacceptable for cisgender men to cry to show emotions, all of that stuff. And for cisgender women, that's completely fine and that's okay and that's expected. And if and sometimes too, people are like, oh, she's crying. So she's so needy or she's like this or she's like that. I'm just put putting whatever whatever. You could you can fill in the words. I'm sure there's a lot. That's really that's really destructive because again, I think people process emotions really differently, but it doesn't matter. Like you definitely if you want to cry in that movie, cry in that movie. It does not matter if your bros are with you, okay? So do it. And also too, I think, I don't know, like I think crying is really healthy. It's a really, I think it's a really healthy thing. Not something that you have to do in front of everyone because I don't do it in front of everyone, but at least do it. Even alone in your bedroom or your bathroom, in your closet if you need to go in there, just, just cry. Crying is really good. It releases, I think, a lot of stress, a lot of emotions. Your body needs to do it. There's a reason why humans can produce tears. So produce those tears <laughs> if you need to. Okay, that was a long answer. So I'm going to try to keep these as short because I have a few questions to go through. Okay, number 14. This is very existential and I love it. What is the difference between living and existing? I'm going to try to keep this as short as I can. I think existing, I think existing is just moving through the motions, moving through the motions, 
not necessarily having purpose in life. And I think it's very, very important for someone to have purpose. And you have to figure out what that purpose is for yourself. But I think existing, for me, when I think of existing, I think of as if it's an object just sitting in, in a space. It's not really doing much. It's just kind of there. But I think living is being in a space and having a purpose. Now, I'm not saying that... I, well, I think, I think purpose is something that's personal to who you are. I think purpose is something that's personal to who you are and hopefully guides you in terms of how you want to live. So I think purpose gives you a reason to keep on going, to keep on living. And I think that that's really important to have. And that would actually be a really cool episode to talk about like purpose and living and all that stuff. But that is the difference that I'm going to, I'm just going to scratch the surface. That's what I'm going to say is the difference between living and existing. Yeah. I'm going to quote my favorite quote again. This is in, I think this was in the second episode. I'm going to say it again. And again, if you don't know where this is from, look it up. <laughs> you've had, you've had like, what now, two, two weeks to look it up, three weeks? Okay, so the quote goes, it's from a movie. Life is a gift and I don't intend on wasting it. You never know what hand you're going to get dealt next to make each day count, to make an account. So make your days count and find purpose. And I think life is really a beautiful, wonderful thing. Now I'm just thinking about like all of my favorite like little life quotes like La Dolce Far Niente or the Italian movie La Vita è Bella which it translates to life is beautiful. It's such a sad movie, but it's a great movie. If you haven't watched it, definitely watch it. Um, it's by Roberto Benigni and it's like a comedy drama. Oh my gosh. Beginning. It's a comedy. You're like, wow, this is, this is, this is late. Oh gosh. Does the drama come in? Does the drama come in in the second half? Holy crap. Okay. So yeah, I'm going to put a pin in that little question because I think that that would be really cool to talk about later okay so number 26 how old would you be if you didn't know how old you are (laughs) how old would I be this is really this is a very interesting one so here's the thing I feel like okay I don't want to say this and sound like someone who thinks like so highly of themselves or anything like that, but I, I don't know if you heard that. I just got an email. That was the ding. Anyways, I have been told throughout my entire life that I'm very wise, wise beyond my years. And I think that that's a testament to a lot of different things and I think the wisdom that I've gained from my family, but also God, because I always pray for wisdom. <laughs> I really do, because I don't know anything. Um, <laughs> so I mean, I do, but like I, I'm, I'm, I'm still young. That's the thing. I still have so much experience, experiences left to experience. Yeah, so so many things out there, but. I I definitely think that I've always just had a very old soul and 
not something that I necessarily meant to have. I think that that's something that you just kind of have from, from the start maybe. And so in that sense, I definitely feel older. I think how I maybe see certain things that doesn't mean that I'm not progressive though, because I am very progressive on, on a lot of things as well. But I, I definitely think that I am probably mentally older, I guess, than the standard person my age. However, on the, on the flip side, when I, the age that I am right now, I was very excited to turn this age which was a stark contrast to the year prior where I was freaking out. I was having this like little like crisis of like, oh my gosh, it's going to be my birth. Oh, wait, okay. Also, also, I have always loved celebrating my birthdays. Like my birthday is, I love it. It is so much fun. I go all out. I celebrate the entire month. My mom just kind of started that tradition when I was a kid. So we just celebrate our birthdays for the entire month and we, we just have fun with it. So I, I love my birthday. However, the, not this, not my last birthday, but the, pre- the previous birthday before that, I was freaking out and I was like, oh my gosh, like I am going to be this age and I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I thought that I was going to be in this place by now, or I was going to reach this career height and have this or do that and everything. And I, I was very, scared in a way, I guess, to turn another year older. And I think comparing myself, even to my parents too, like seeing what my parents were doing at the age that I'm at now, even I, it it was, it was, it was a little bit hard because they had done things that I haven't done yet. But then I had to realize that they are a totally different generation than I am. And also to, I mean, their lives are completely different than mine. They wanted different things. They, they weren't pursuing what I'm pursuing, all of this stuff. So their circumstances were different. So I had to keep that in mind and not feel bad about where I was at my age. And I think especially too, a lot of things that I had planned were very much <laughs> scratched out <laughs> because of the pandemic and things were put on hold. And in a way, a lot of great, a lot of other great things came out of that, but it's a different timeline. And I kind of learned to not live my life based on a timeline or expectations that other people have or what society has, which is, it can be hard for sure. But that's why I'm like, wait, I, God willing, will have the rest of my life to do all of these things, try all of the things that I want to do. I don't have to do it by a certain age. So I still have my youth. So that was the previous year. Then the my past birthday, I got so excited. I, I don't know, a lot of things I guess happened in that year because when I turned the age that I am now, I was like, I am I'm like turning five years old. I feel like I'm I'm a kid. Like I have my whole life ahead of me. I'm still in my youth, all of this stuff. And truly, I think age is in a way kind of a mindset like yeah biologically as you get older your body is gonna probably show you're gonna maybe have a little bit more aches and pains but that's also why I think I really try to treat my body with respect and I eat well I exercise not just because I mean there's the aesthetic reasons fine like I'm I'll, I'll admit that but also I love how my body feels 
when I eat. I also just genuinely love vegetables, man, you know? So, but, but at the same time, it's like, I want to give my body the nutrients that it needs so that it can do all the things that I want to do. And especially as an actor, like my body is my instrument. Like I want to take care of it so that I can be 90 years old and still do a movie or be in a play and stuff like that, God willing, you know? So I, I look as my, I look at my body as like a temple and I want to take care of it. So of course though, my body will show its age as I, God willing, get older through the, through the decades. But my mindset though, I want to always still have that childlike wonder and that curiosity and I think that that's really important and again to not take life too seriously and yeah so I guess going back to the question how old would you be if you didn't know how old you are maybe if I looked at myself I would think that I'm like it depends on what I'm wearing. Depends on if I'm wearing makeup. I don't know. Sometimes I look in the mirror and I feel like I look like I'm still 12. So I think it depends on the day. But I think probably just look-wise, maybe a, the age that I'm at now. Or like I, I would actually say like a year, a few years younger maybe. That's That's what I would say. But if I was talking to myself and I was basing it off of how I was talking, I would probably think that I was a lot older, which is actually something that people have told me, especially with wearing masks and stuff like that. For a long time, some people were like, wow, how you're talking, the way that you see the world, I guess, makes you seem older. I don't know. (laughs) But yeah. Okay. Question number 51 if we learn from our mistakes, why are we always so afraid to make a mistake? I'm going to say that one again. If we learn from our mistakes, why are we always so afraid to make a mistake? Well, here's the deal. I don't know if everyone always learns from their mistakes. Okay. I truly, I, I, I don't think that. I don't think that that's true. And I'm sure people who are listening hopefully agree because not everyone does and that can be really destructive and harmful to the person to themselves and also to the people around them so there's that now hypothetically if you are someone who does always learn from your mistakes and you're still afraid to make a mistake I think that that just shows that you care that you care about not putting yourself in that situation, maybe not putting other people in that similar situation and not going through the emotional highs and lows that maybe came with it. And maybe I think too, because you've learned, it's like you wouldn't want to put yourself back in a place where you have to go through the relearning again. And also, like I I think for me, the mistakes that I've learned, like the mistakes that I've made and that I... I always, always, always try to, I really try to give myself grace about the mistakes that I've made. And instead of using, instead of viewing them as a regret, I try to use them as life lessons. And so I think for me, if I was in a situation where I, where I was about to make the same mistake, in my mind, my worry is that like, May Rennie, why are you living a past version of yourself who didn't know better you have come such a long way you should have learned like that's kind of how I how I view it where why 
why are you regressing instead of continuing to progress and stuff like that and again I think that that's just because I'm the kind of person who is always trying to live in the present and not let the past necessarily define who I am but I don't want to ever neglect those parts of me who maybe like I'm going to be honest my 17 year old self how my 17 year old self handled certain relationships I for a long time had a hard time distinguishing whether or not I truly regretted or no like I I felt I did regret them, but I, as I grew up, I didn't want to live with regret. I wanted to look at those as life lessons. And now I look at them as life lessons and I know better and I know what I want and what I don't want and all this stuff. And so I look at my 17 year old self as, Hey, you went through, you went through some stuff, but you didn't make those same mistakes. So you obviously learned and you grew and that's really amazing and important. So again, if I was in a situation where I was going back to being like my 17 year old self, I, I would be more afraid of like, again, Mayrani, like didn't, didn't you learn what, what happened to all of the great growth? So that's for me, I think personally, why I'm, would maybe be afraid to make a mistake again, but also too, if it's a mistake where other people are involved, like I don't want there to be collateral damage. Like I wouldn't want to hurt other people. I, I think that that's, I think that that can be really hard is is living with the fact that you've hurt other people and you could have done something about it and you didn't or you were too afraid to do the right thing or whatever so yeah it's a very it's a very good question but lots to think about okay number 61 is it more important to love or be loved this reminds me of joe march little women because when she is like marmy if Lori asks me to marry him again. Maybe I will say yes because I care to be loved more than to love. I, for me, I disagree with that. I think it needs to go both ways, truly. I, I think it is, I mean, I think it's very important to be loved. I definitely do. I mean, science has shown that children who are who like when children are first when babies are first born when they have skin to skin contact with their mother they are healthier they are able to just i guess their body is able to develop better all of this stuff they're getting the nutrients it's very important and do do research on it but but basically from the get-go love is so important and i think yes it is important to to be loved and i hope all of you are loved and i'm going to take a little pause break and just say if no one has told you i love you in a really long time or you haven't heard it today whether or not i know you just as a fellow like human being on this earth and for the people who i do know who i know are listening to this truly i love you And I hope that you know that you are loved, you are seen, you are known, and just remember to always love yourself as well. So yes, I think it's very important to be loved. Being loved, hopefully, you feel you can do anything in the world. Positive things, (laughs) positive things in the world. 
I do think it is important to love as well because if you're just constantly being loved and you don't give that love to other people, then it's one-sided, okay? And that's the problem. That's why it wouldn't have worked out with Joe March wanting to marry Lori if he had asked her a second time because, again, that relationship was going to be set up for disaster. I think that it's, it's unhealthy to be in a relationship where one person is giving all the love and the other person is just taking it and not pouring it back out. So I think both are equally important. 89. (laughs) I guess we're still on the love theme. Okay. Again, these were random numbers (laughs) that I chose. So 89. Why must you love someone enough to let them go? Oh gosh, I wouldn't have been able to answer this. I think the way that I'm going to answer it, if you had asked me like a year ago, to be honest. So I am think I'm still trying to process this. I think the thing is, why must you love someone enough to let them go? For me personally, I think it's because I don't, Like, I wouldn't want to put them in a situation where they are feeling maybe, I don't know, confused, stressed, or maybe there's a lot going on in in their life and they need to figure it out on their own. And I want them to be not just happy, but to find joy in their life. And if that means stepping back or letting them go, then... I think that that shows how much you care about someone. And I think it is really hard to let someone go when you love them or when you think you love them or when you're falling in love with them. However, sometimes that is what's best for the person and for you as well. And only time will tell. Only time will tell. And I think too, loving someone in order to let them go, it kind of then... I think that there isn't a possession then that you have about them. I don't know if that made sense. What I'm trying to say is that you don't view them as a possession because people are not possessions. People are not objects. You cannot own them. So each person, even if you love them, you're in a relationship, you're not in a relationship with them, you are letting them also have their freedom and live in that freedom and their freedom of choice and even for you too maybe they don't want you to let them go but you know you have to let them go because you love them and you know that that's what's best for both of you yeah I think I think it can depend on the situation how you want to phrase it because romantic love letting someone go can be different than maybe it's apparent it's a, a friend, a friend. I had talked about relationship or friendships ending, you know? Um, yeah, I, so, but, but I base, basically I think that loving someone enough to let them go is because you want to see them thriving. You want to see them find joy in their life. And that might be hard for you that you won't get to be a part of it, but you don't want them to be in you know and you wouldn't want them to be in any duress or emotional state that 
you know they wouldn't find peace in. So yeah. Okay. Number 111. <laughs> Side note, I just did a play over the summer. It was called A Lord of a Ring in, the, in a Suitcase. And I played a bunch of different characters. And one of the characters I played, I had like my, my main character was Aragorn. And I also played Eowyn too, which was really cool. Because we did the three, we did all three movies ad- adaptations. We, we adapted it. So when I played Eowyn in our version, Eowyn and Aragorn did not have like a thing. But my two main characters were Aragorn and Eowyn. However, in the first part in which is yeah the the, the first one <laughs> the fellowship of the ring i they needed someone to play bilbo baggins so i played bilbo baggins and there's a part where i get up on this trunk and i say um oh alas it, or i say like today is my 111th birthday so 111 i just think of oh that's how old bilbo was and i had a whole bilbo voice it's like today is my 111th birthday I did a lot better than than that in person. But um, anyway, so I just think about that. Okay, 111. When you help someone, do you ever think, what's in it for me? I think it depends on what they're asking. (laughs) I think for the most part, if someone's just like genuinely asking like, oh, hey, like this something, can can you help me with this? Like, no, I won't. Like, no, I'm not going to overthink like what's in it for me. However, if they're asking me to do something and it there's like, it caused me to take a little pause because it's like, oh, I don't really know. Not, not even necessarily that it's sketchy per se, but like, I think it depends on what they're asking uh because sometimes sometimes people ask certain things and it's like i don't know about that or i need to think about it or is that going to be fruitful for both of us and stuff like that so i i honestly think it just depends on what it is however i don't i would hope that if someone asks you a question you're not always thinking about it like what's in it for me in a manipulative kind of way or in a way that's just constantly seeking to get something from someone and so in order to do some, in order to get that thing from someone, you have to give them something, but you're not doing it because you genuinely want to help that person. You're doing it for ulterior motives. That I think is, that's wrong. I don't think that that's cool. I'm sure all of us have done it to a certain extent, but hopefully not in a malicious way. But I think overall, no, I don't necessarily think what's in it for me. But again, it depends on the question. <laughs> certain certain questions, I think it's it's a normal thing to think, oh, well, what's in it for me, you know? So sometimes you gotta be cautious, I guess. Okay, number 218. What one need and one want will you strive to achieve in the next 12 months? Goodness. A need. I mean, I don't know if I need this, but I think my craft, my 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 evolving craft probably does need this and it's that I want to just be messier meaning that I don't want to go into every single like acting scene or monologue feeling like it has to be perfect because I know perfection does not exist and I think when something is really real and raw like like a scene or a monologue or whatever when it really connects it's because it's real it's raw it's messy and stuff like that but I think a lot of times I put so much pressure on myself that oh like I need to do all of this prep and I I, well 
yes, I do need to do all the prep, but I also want to just continue to trust myself. And I've been working on that. I've definitely been working on that the last two years, especially the last year, really um, finishing up a lot of the conservatories that I did where just like trusting myself that it's all there, that my training is going to show all of this stuff. But I definitely think in order for my craft to go to the next level, I need to just be messy with it. Like I can do a, I can do a line read where it doesn't sound super amazing and everything like that. And I think that would just continue to put the pressure off of me that I put on myself because it's expectations that I put on myself. And I'm always really proud of the work that I do when it connects with people because I know it's coming from a really genuine place and I never want the work that I'm doing to feel artificial in any way, which I think sometimes people think like, oh, acting, you're like playing pretend. You are, you're living truthfully in imaginary circumstances. That's what acting is. And so I just want to be messy with it. I want to just have more fun with it. I mean, I always try to have fun, but I just want to just even be like looser and stuff like that with just the text and and yeah which again I think I have definitely grown and I'm definitely doing that but I just want to not pressure myself as much to always feel like I have to get it right or or impress a teacher or anything like that so yeah that's I think that's a need because I think that that is actually that would be a very healthy thing for for my artistic craft and what is a want a want well there's a trip and I want to go on it and I've been planning to go on it. So that's something that I'm trying to achieve. <laughs> that's what I'm striving for. Okay. 287. In 20 years, what do you want to remember? In 20 years, how old will I be? Okay. So I want to remember as much as I can, I guess. I hope, I hope my, hope my brain is still remembering, God willing. Uh, yeah, I think I want to remember all of the good times all of the moments, even the in-between moments. And I think the beautiful thing about life is as you get older, I like to look at life as a pearl necklace where you have a piece of string, which is your life, and you're putting pearls on it. And it's not until you're older or you're out of a situation, a few years, few years down the road where you look back and you see how every single bead that you were putting was truly a pearl and how all of the dots connect. And as I've gotten older, that's super cool to me. Like I, I look back at portions of my life where I'm like, wow, like this led to this, led to this. And it's very cool. So I hope that I just am able to remember all of those, all of those things, all of those moments. And also too, I want to remember the hard stuff too, because again, the hard stuff is where a lot of the growth happens, where a lot of the life lessons happen and it's hard, but I think that it reminds you to never take for granted where you're at now, the people that are in your life presently and how far you've come. I think it's a celebration of life and life isn't always sunshine and roses and stuff like that. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be because if it is, then again, that's not living, that's not going through true experiences and becoming a fully formed human being. And so I want to remember all of that stuff. However, I look back on my life and there are certain things that I, I don't remember. My friends remember and I'm like, I don't remember. Did I really say that? Oh, we did that? Oh, that's right, we did do that. I kind of remember. So I just hope that I continue to remember as much as I can 
continue to eat foods that help with memory. I think onions, right? Onions are really great for memory, memory retention. There's a lot of things. Google it. Okay. Uh, okay, 300. Question 300. What is your favorite sound? I have a lot of favorite sounds. I There's a few that come to mind. and uh, Okay, I'll just list them. <laughs> oh gosh. Scraping like... <laughs> scraping like cheese or like a soft cheese or like a jam or like butter on toast is like I like that sound I really love the sound oh this is this is making me a little emotional because I love my parents but you know I think hearing my dad sing even though and he doesn't realize that he's being so loud but I can hear him he's downstairs I'm upstairs or whatever because I know one day I hope in a very, very, very long time, um, that, 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 that won't be the case anymore. I won't be hearing his voice singing. Um, so that's, that's a sound. I should tell him that. That's, I think that that's really sweet. Me, Renny. Oh, look at you being all, all emotional. Um, I love the sound of waves. I, the ocean has a really important meaning for me and I just love going to the ocean and just hearing the waves and, yeah, that's another really favorite sound. And I love, I love the sound of rain, of rain falling on the window, especially at night, falling asleep to the, to the rain. Yeah, I really, really love that. Uh, yeah, I think those are, those are some of my favorite sounds for sure. And I love music. I mean, I love, I love music. So I have a lot of favorite songs, but I think those are some of my favorite, favorite sounds. Oh, I just thought of another another romantic thing, actually. Because I was uh, listening to this thing about... Well, anyways, I think when you really like someone, their voice. Their voice. Yeah. That can be something that you can love. Hopefully you love. Hopefully it doesn't become annoying. <laughs> I might cut this out. That part out. Okay. We're almost done. The penultimate. The penultimate question. Number 314. What are some recent compliments you've received? <laughs> oh my God. Okay, this is really funny. This, I took it as a compliment and I even double checked. It was given to me as a compliment. I have a lovely coworker who is Jewish and she told me <laughs> that I give off very strong Jewish vibes and boy, did I take that as a compliment and it meant a lot coming from someone who is a practicing Jew. So... I, I will say, I will say, in my ancestry DNA test, I do have a tiny bit of Jewish in me. However, it's 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 small, <laughs> so it's not a lot. But the fact that it's coming out in some way is really great. And I guess how I talk, and maybe I guess how I look a little bit. But I I guess I have chutzpah. There's, but also too, I know she had told me when I first met you, I thought you were Jewish because in my Instagram. In my bio, I have a word, a Jewish word, and it's l'chaim, which means to life. If you haven't noticed, whether or not you, you know me or you're just listening to my voice on this podcast, I really love life and I think life's amazing. It's hard, but I love it. And so that word has been one of the words, like I think 
I think I feel like a lot of people hopefully have like a certain word or a phrase that they that just kind of is always with them as as they live life and for me that's always been one of them since like maybe like eighth grade or something or like ninth grade so that that word is, means a lot yeah there's only there's only a handful there's only like maybe three or two two one or two other ones but l'chaim is a is a big one for me and so i guess that's why she thought i was i was jewish but i took that as a compliment because i i really love jewish culture because i also too i you know why it's because she said that to me too because <laughs> when I saw her, I said shalom, which means peace. It's it's Hebrew for peace, and so yeah. And then I think the other day I had talked to her about like she was telling me about this dish that her mom used to make, and she was craving it. It's a Jewish, it's a Jewish dish. What is it called? Oh man, uh, it's like a it's a it's something it's fried uh I forgot what it's called I don't it's not it's not schnitzel it's not what it is but anyway so she was telling me about that and then I was telling her oh man I really love like making latkes and we were talking about matzo ball soup so I guess that's why I gave off very strong strong Jewish vibes and apparently I do have a little bit of Jewish in me but that was just I took that as a compliment so <laughs> yeah anyways uh, very, very funny. And today we were even like talking about it again. So apparently it's, it's a thing. Okay. Question. The last question. We made it. We made it. Everyone. You made it. I made it. Okay. So question 331. What is something you have always wanted since you were a kid? Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm going to give you a materialistic thing and a non-materialistic thing. <laughs> this is kind of embarrassing. I'm going to own it though because it's damn true. The material thing. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't even know if any of you are going to know what this is. Okay. It's a half a lump. A half a lump. H E F F A L U M P. Half a lump. If you don't know what a half a lump is, google it it is the cutest thing it's a stuffed animal but the thing is that it's a character it's a character in the winnie the pooh like series and there was the heffalump movie i think that's what it was called and it's where rue if you don't know who rue is rue is the is the little little kangaroo in the whole winnie the pooh world and he meets heffalump and they call him Lumpy and he's British and he's so cute and ever since I was a kid that movie oh gosh my my parents don't make fun of me in such a loving way because I would <laughs> my dad specifically remembers that so in in the car there was a DVD player how how early 2000s is that there was a DVD player and I would put half a lump in there and for the longest time, my dad, I guess, would look in the rearview mirror and would be like, why are you smiling so big? Like, what are you looking at? So I think one day he finally like sat in the back and I like pointed out, that's Lumpy. He's half a lump he, or he's a half a lump. And just how cute and adorable I thought he was. And I had always wanted a half a lump, but Disney only made them for a limited time. And then for like years, they stopped making half a lumps and 
as I later, I when I learned how to Google, <laughs> I was a, you know teenager. I had realized, oh wow, they have some half a lumps, but they're like on eBay for a lot of money. I think now they started making them, but for the longest time growing up, if I ever went to Disneyland, I would go to the Disney store trying to find a half a lump. I never found one. So that is a material thing that. I've always wanted since I was a kid. I guess it's a half a lump. It's the one thing I, I always wanted and I never got because we couldn't find it. Yeah. Now, I guess a non-material thing. I mean, there's a lot of things that I've wanted since I was a kid, like the career that I'm pursuing now. Like I always wanted to be an actor, which I feel like that's what I'm still pursuing for sure. But I think something that I've always wanted, the agency to be able to pursue what I love and to do what I want and to not be confined to society's expectations, I guess. I think that's what I, I guess freedom maybe in, in a way. Not that I didn't ever feel free, but I think I just always felt like, I guess growing up, the people around me always had very different dreams than me. My, my dreams were always very different than other people. And I think sometimes people maybe view them as like, oh, they're too lofty. But if they're not lofty, then they're not dreams. And here's the thing. I don't think dreams, dreams can stay dreams if they're not put into action. So I think that's where the freedom to be able to pursue those things that I love. I think that's where that comes in. So I guess maybe that's what I've always wanted since I was a kid. Um, Yeah. And also too, truly, truly for world hunger to end and that on its own is a totally different episode because I can get into the political factors about that. I can get into the sociological aspects about that. Like I, if anyone's interested, call me and we can have a full discussion about this because that's something that I'm very passionate about and something that as I continue to grow in my career that I want to find ways of making sure that healthy nutritious food is accessible to people all around the world i know not i know i'm not the only one doing that i'm not saying i'm going to solve all the problems but i want to be a part of the solution and finding new solutions and stuff like that because i think that's very important and as i've gotten older i've taken a lot of classes both in high school and college done my own research about it and yeah gosh whether it's like uh, from farming and just sustainability and just to like laws and everything but that's always something that I always really wanted as a kid because I grew up in I grew up in a restaurant my dad was a restaurant owner and I was very fortunate that I never went a day hungry ever in my life and as I got older uh, it really hit me like I, I didn't do anything to deserve that. <laughs> I was just born into a circumstance that I didn't choose to be born into, which happens to be I go to sleep with a belly full of food. I am no better than some other person in a third world country, and not even actually just even not that that's not just in a third world country. That's in that's in America. You can be in a first world country and not have enough money to buy food for you for your family and I always thought that that was just so I can't well it's my podcast I guess I can curse on here but I'm not going to but it it very effed up and so that's something that I just always 
I've been very passionate about and that I've always wanted to help and find solutions for and yeah just that's yeah that's something (laughs) that's something that I'm I'm very uh I have a lot of thoughts on um so that's always something that I wanted and again I don't believe that oh just one person can solve it there there's a lot of factors going into it and I definitely feel like I have more knowledge on the topic because I've been able to have conversations with people who know about things like this and stuff like that who are much uh, smarter than me more intelligent have more experience so yeah that's just something that I've always been very passionate about and um what I've always wanted as a kid okay I'm gonna end it there I hope this was really interesting to listen to (laughs) this was a lot about me and my thoughts I guess and I mean I guess all the episodes are but I hope that this maybe sparked some thoughts for you and how you're viewing or how you are answering some of these questions how you view life how you view yourself how you view others and let me know your thoughts on this if you kind of like this uh format I would love to do an episode where I invite you to ask me questions and I can do questions I can answer them but for you not necessarily about me per se maybe it's like like advice or something not that I'm qualified but if you're interested in my perspective at all and I'm not saying my perspective is the only perspective or the right perspective by no means I'm not saying that but if you're interested let me know uh I might I might put it out there on Instagram hint hint maybe by the time this episode comes out I've already put put the question box on Instagram so maybe maybe you'll see your question pop up okay have a great rest of your day have a great rest of your week i can't wait to chat with you next time and remember to follow remember to share remember to hydrate there it is there it is remember to hydrate because i always remind you all to hydrate especially right now changing season sometimes it's still really hot but again even if you're not in hot weather drink water okay love you all I love you all. Have a great rest of your day. Bye.